0: chapter 6. This is 7 through 10. Uh, Here's Paul's words to the church at Galatia. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Here's our key verse here. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's you and me. Let's pray together this morning. Lord, we are grateful um, on this week of Thanksgiving. Lord, we're grateful for um, the blessings that you give us. We recognize that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the blessings. Thank you for the freedom we have to worship in this country Thank you for a a place that we can gather and um, a warm building and a a place where we can meet with one another and pray for one another and encourage one another and worship you. Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have of supporting missionaries. Lord, we're thankful to uh, be here today. Thank you for the blessing of Thanksgiving. Lord, I pray that uh, Thanksgiving won't just be just one single day in our life but that every day we will learn to praise you and give you thanks. And we will ask now that you will open up our hearts and minds and eyes to receive your word today and that we will be changed because we've been here. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to jump into the book of Acts, and we're going to look at Acts this Sunday, next Sunday, and then, of course, as we get into December, we're going to move into some Christmas messages on uh, the 10th, the 17th, and uh, the 24th of Christmas. But we've been journeying through the book of Acts, and uh, we're in chapter 14 this morning. And of course, we're in this uh, the outline of the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That's the first four or five chapters of the book of Acts, where the church was born in Jerusalem. In Judea and Samaria, that's chapters 6 through 12. And then to the ends of the earth, chapters 13 through 28. So Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you have the outline of the book of Acts. And so we're going to conclude Paul's first missionary journey this morning. How did the gospel get to the ends of the earth? Well, it was through the missionary journeys of the Apostle Paul. He took three of them. How does the gospel get to the ends of the earth today? Well, we have a small part in that Uh, We have the privilege of supporting 13 missionary families, like the Vantines, uh, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So this morning, we're going to look at uh, Paul's first missionary journey, finish that up, and we're going to look at a character trait that God wants to develop in all of our lives, and it's the word perseverance, perseverance. It's sometimes translated in the Bible, patience. There's actually two Greek words in the New Testament that are translated patience or perseverance. One is macrothumio. Macro means large. Thumio is the word for anger. It means that you are very, 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 very patient with people, uh, that we don't have a short fuse. The other word is hupomoni, and that word for patience has more to do with circumstances in our lives, trials in our lives. It literally means to remain under, and that's the word that we're going to look at this morning. Uh, this whole character trait of perseverance. And our introductory and premise is this. The pathway to perseverance in our lives is through trials and trouble. I wish, I wish there was a different way to develop that character trait in our lives. But if we're going to develop perseverance, then there's got to be some sort of trial or trouble that we need to overcome. James writes about this in James chapter one. Verses 2 and 3, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Let me read that again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now, that is counterintuitive to our human nature, why would somebody look at a trial and a trouble in their life and consider it and make a choice for joy? Well, I'll tell you what, it's not based on our feelings. It's based on something that we know. And that's what James says in verse 3. So here's the, here's the key to that. Because you know something. What do we need to know? We need to know that the testing of our faith develops leads to, produces perseverance in our life. And so how are we going to develop this character trait of perseverance? It's going to be through trials. And uh, that's uh, why James says we need to choose joy. And in fact, in verse 12 of James 1, he says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life. So there's a reward someday, For what? Persevering through difficulty and persevering through trials. I don't know how you would define perseverance. Here's one definition. Perseverance is not giving up. It is persistence and tenacity. The effort required to do something and keep doing it till the end, even if it's hard. And so we, we persevere and we, we push through difficulties and trials knowing that ultimately God is sovereign in our our life. 72 years ago, Sir Winston Churchill gave a famous speech. England was in the middle of World War II. Sir Winston Churchill gave a speech regarding perseverance. It was a school called the Harrow School located in London, England. Sir Winston Churchill attended that school as a young man. And here the Uh, World War II was battling, and Britain was continuing to fight uh, against Nazi Germany. And Sir Winston Churchill stood up in front of those school, uh, high school, young age children. And this is what he said toward the end of his speech. But for everyone, surely what we have gone through in this period of 10 months, this is the lesson. Never give in. Never give in. Never, 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 in nothing great or small, large or petty, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. Never yield to force. Never yield to the apparently overwhelming might of the enemy. Never give up. Well, those were the words of Winston Churchill to um, encourage and rally a nation when they were fighting against Nazi Germany. Fast forward some 30, 40 years later, different setting, different circumstance, same message. And I remember this one, this speech, because I watched it on TV. Jim Jim Valvano was the head basketball coach for North Carolina State University basketball team. They had won a national championship a few years earlier, Jim Valvano was battling, fighting cancer. ESPN was holding the ESPY Awards, and there was an award called the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage. Jim Valvano got up on stage to receive that award. He needed help getting up on the stage. He needed help walking off the stage. And this is what Jim Valvano said. Don't give up. Don't ever get up, and that's what I'm going to try to do every minute that I have left. I will thank God for this day and the moment I have. And then he went on to say, cancer can take away all my physical abilities, but it cannot touch my mind, it cannot touch my heart, it cannot touch my soul, and these three things are going to carry on forever. Thank you, and God bless you all. Well, that's perseverance. Perseverance in the midst of a war. Perseverance in the midst of fighting a health challenge. And this morning we're going to look at perseverance through the lens of the life of the Apostle Paul. And we're going to see his, uh, his perseverance to continue on to what God has called him to do. And so if you have your Bibles, <coughs> excuse me, turn to Acts chapter 14. We're about halfway through Paul's first missionary journey and, uh, we're going to see Paul's perseverance. Let me, let me read just a a portion of scripture uh, to give you a broader picture of the perseverance of the apostle Paul in his life and ministry. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he gives a summary of this is what I faced in my life and ministry as a missionary. And he writes this in 2 Corinthians 11. I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled. I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked Besides everything else, I face daily the pressures of my concern from all the churches. Uh, Who would want to sign up for that assignment? None of us. That was the life of the Apostle Paul and his ministry. And yet the Apostle Paul never quit. And he persevered to the end and he gets to the end of his life and he writes in 2 Timothy 4, I fought the good fight. I finished the course. I've kept the faith. And there's a reward for me someday, a crown of righteousness I'm going to receive. And so this morning we're going to look at just a a little bit of the Apostle Paul's life, and we're going to zip through Acts 14 uh, and just kind of give a a quick overview of Paul's perseverance and then think about some practical uh, truths from God's Word that will help us persevere in whatever we're facing. So let's look at it through the lens of Paul's life. Paul's perseverance in spite of severe opposition in Iconium. Now, Paul's on this first missionary journey, Iconium's in southern Galatia, and uh, that's where we, we, we pick up the story, Acts chapter 14, let me begin in verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnus went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against his the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. Paul and Barnabas were able to work miracles. That was God's authentic sign on them to authenticate them as messengers of God. And so they're in Iconium, and they're sharing the gospel of grace, and people come to faith in Christ, but they also face opposition, which was true wherever Paul went. What happens? Verse 4, the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among both Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them, Paul and Barnabas, and to stone them. Ah, Paul and Barnabas come, they preach the gospel, people come to faith in Christ. It upsets some of the Jewish people, some of the others that were there, and so they come up with a plan Let's kill Paul and Barnabas. They're, they're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna stone them. They're going to kill them. Verse 6, But they, Paul and Barnabas, found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. Quite frankly today, if there were missionaries that were facing that kind of death threat on the mission field, a mission board would bring them home. Uh, Paul and Barnabas, like, find out about this plot. They go to the next city. What do they keep doing? They keep preaching the gospel. Uh, so now Paul is in Lystra and Barnabas, and that leads us to our second, uh, principle here. Paul's perseverance in spite of being stoned in Lystra. So they plotted to kill Paul in Iconium. When he gets to Lystra, they actually do stone him. And let me quickly read the story, uh, just to kind of get the storyline here, uh, beginning in verse 8. I'm going to read all the way to verse, verse 20. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that moment, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lyconian language. So they're speaking. Paul and Barnabas don't understand what they're saying because they're speaking in a foreign language. The gods have come down from us in human form. They see Paul and Barnabas heal this man that's never walked, and now they're like, oh, man, uh, the, the gods are here. And so they actually give Barnabas the name of Zeus, And they call Paul Hermes, the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside of the city, brought bulls and wreaths in the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. They're wanting to worship Paul and Barnabas because they think they're gods because of what happened, of how he healed the lame man. Now, Paul and Barnabas kind of finally figure out what's going on here. Verse 14, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from those worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness By giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons, he provides you with plenty of food and fills your heart with joy. Even with those words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So here, uh, they're they're wanting to worship Paul and Barnabas. And Paul and Barnabas say, no, uh, you need to worship the true God, the God who provides rain, the God who provides the seasons, the God who provides for you. Now it's interesting how this story turns because the people go from wanting to worship Paul and Barnabas to killing him or trying to kill him. Verse 19, Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium from, from outside Lystra and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. So, so they stoned Paul, dragged him outside the city, leave him there thinking... We've killed him. Verse 20 is a remarkable verse. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. Did God miraculously heal him? Perhaps. But here they stone Paul, leave him for dead. Everyone comes around him, and all of a sudden, Paul gets up. And... uh, Went, walk, walks back into the city and it says, the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. If, if I'm Paul, I'm probably heading back to home. I'm heading back to Jerusalem. Not Paul. He's on to his next assignment. He's on to his next mission. Paul persevered in spite of being stoned. Uh, Let's look at verses 21 through 26. We see Paul's perseverance in strengthening the believers in Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. So they go to Derby. It says they preached the gospel in Derby and won a large number of disciples. More people come to faith in Christ. This is interesting. Then they return to Lystra. Wait a second. That's, That's the place where they just left and where a group of people tried to Kill and stone Paul. And Paul says, I'm going back to Lystra. Why? Because there's some Christians there that he wants to encourage. He he risks his life to do that. He goes back to Lystra. He goes back to Iconium. That's where the the group uh, came from down to Lystra to turn the crowd against Paul and Barnabas. And Antioch. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. He said, Paul and Barnabas, what did they do? They appointed elders for them in each church, so now they're helping the churches get organized. He's appointing elders and uh, with prayer and fasting, committing them to the Lord. after going through Pisidia, they come to Pamphylia, and when they had preached the word in Perga. They went down to Atalia. From Atalia, they sailed back to Antioch. So now they go back to the place where they were sent from a few chapters earlier. It was the church at Antioch that sent out Paul and Barnabas on this first missionary trip. Why did they go there? Well, they, they go there because Paul perseveres in sharing a report with the sending church. Paul wants to let this church that Prayed for them and fasted with them and sent them out on the mission. He wants them to know what God has done. Don't you appreciate missionaries that do that? Uh, that you not only pray for and, and encourage them, but they report back. Uh, let me let me tell you what what Paul or what the Lord has has done. And um, we've we've gotten that report from uh, uh, our new missionaries that uh, we just recently voted to to support and uh, somebody's going to have to help me with their name just slipped me um yeah John and Becky Shirley and uh you know we were able to through God's grace give them a large gift to rescue kids in Dominican Republic and Haiti and uh, once they went there once they got those funds uh, to help the churches rescue those kids what they do they they sent us some pictures they sent a report back I want you to see what God has done through your faithful prayers And through your giving. And so Paul comes full circle. He comes back to Antioch where they sent him off. Paul and Barnabas have been gone a year. I looked it up. They said he traveled approximately 1,200 miles on that first missionary trip. Now 1,200 miles for us today is is relatively uh, easy, but not not in the first century. And so Paul concludes Uh, His first missionary journey, Paul and Barnabas, they persevered. Remember, it started out with three of them. John Mark left them halfway through. We don't know why, but Paul and Barnabas persevered to the end. Well, that's the conclusion of uh, Paul's first missionary journey. And what I'd like to do in our remaining few minutes here is just to think about some principles that will help us persevere. All of us are facing challenges and trials and troubles. Um, everybody goes through hardship. And so I don't know where you are in your spiritual journey, in your life. I don't know what difficulties that you're, you're facing, but the scriptures tell us to persevere. And, uh, as Paul modeled for us, um, to keep on going even when things get difficult. So let's look at some principles of uh, perseverance. And the first one is the principle of self-examination. The principle of self-examination. This is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's the author of Hebrews writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, that's Hebrews 11, all those great heroes of the faith from the Old Testament who persevered, He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So here's a principle that will help us to persevere in our Christian journey. And it's not a 100 yard dash. It's a marathon. And if we're going to persevere in our spiritual walk, there's some principles here that, uh, the, that the author of Hebrews says this is, this is what we need to do. He's, he's, ref- he's likening the Christian life to a race. Did you ever notice that when someone runs a, a race, uh, they have about as few clothes on as possible, tank top, shorts, and maybe some track shoes. Because anything else is just going to slow you down. And so here's the author of Hebrews says, here's what we need to do to run with perseverance. Let us throw off everything that hinders us. What is it that's hindering us in our progress in our Christian life? Someone asked me yesterday, we had a conversation on the phone, and they said, what's, what's, a, what's a lukewarm Christian? I knew he was referring to that passage in, in Revelation where Jesus is writing to the church at Laodicea and he says, I, you guys are lukewarm. I feel like I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I said, well, that's number one, that's not losing your salvation. But lukewarm Christianity comes when we place anything in our lives before God. God demands first place in our life. And so we need to get rid of some things. They're not necessarily bad things, but what is it that's that's hindering us from running and making progress in our Christian life? And then he goes on to say, and the sin that so easily entangles. Okay, we not only need to make some priority changes, but uh, we need to examine our life and like, well, what is it that's keeping me from persevering and making progress in my Christian life and identify that sin and confess that sin and deal with that sin and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on who? on Jesus don't fix your eyes on other people don't even fix your eyes on your pastor your pastor will someday let you down in your opinion pastors are human Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So the first principle here is the principle of self-examination. We need to examine our lives to run with perseverance. Number two, the principle of delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. That's our scripture verses that we read this morning, specifically verses 9 and 10. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest. There's not a period there. The con- phrase continues, if we do not give up. And so it's the principle of, of, of farming. You, you plant something in, in the spring and you have to wait, don't you? You have to you have to persevere and eventually you get a reward. We'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. And so it's the principle of realizing that we need to persevere in our spiritual walk, in our relationships, in our spiritual disciplines. There will be a reward someday if we don't give up. I remember years ago, we were living in Chelsea, and uh, Diane and I made the decision that we were going to transition our three boys to Lenaway Christian School in Adrian, 32 miles one way, and uh, Diane would drive uh, most of the time, um, 32 miles down, 32 miles back, and then in the afternoon, 32 miles down, 32 miles back, 128 miles a day. Um, Christian schools are not cheap, financial costs. Thankfully, they gave pastors a 50% discount. Thank you, Lord. But even with all of that, I remember like, man, this is hard. I don't know if we can keep doing this, you know, especially when uh, they go out for freshman basketball and uh, they have to be at the gym at 6 a.m. in the morning. But you know what? We, we just felt that's what God wanted us to do. We persevered. Even though I got discouraged a few times along the way, we got to the finish line. We got to the graduation at Lenoway Christian School. What a God-honoring graduation that was. And we sat through that graduation like, I'm glad we didn't give up. I think this was what God would have us to do. It's a principle of delayed... Gratification. Quick story here, Florence Chadwick. We've probably never heard of her, but in 1952, Florence Chadwick stepped into the waters of the Pacific Ocean off Catalina Island, determined to swim to the shore of mainland California. She'd already been the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. The weather was foggy and chilly. She could hardly see the boats accompanying her. Still, she swam for 15 hours. When she begged to be taken out of the water along the way, her mother in the boat alongside of her told her she was close and that she could make it. Finally, physically and emotionally exhausted, she stopped swimming and was pulled out. It wasn't until she was on the boat that she discovered the shore was less than half a mile away at a news conference the next day. She said, all I could see was the fog. I think if I could have seen the shore, I would have made it. The principle of delayed gratification. Paul says, don't grow weary in doing good. Thirdly, there's two more here, then we're done. Uh, The third one is the mentoring principle. The mentoring principle so if we're going to persevere in our Christian walk, our Christian life, uh, that happens best when there's um, some mentors in our life, when there's some people in our lives who are just a little further along maybe in our spiritual walk than we are, maybe a little older, maybe a little wiser, and that's what we find that... uh young Timothy had. Timothy was a pastor in Ephesus, and Timothy was going through some challenges in the church at Ephesus. And so Paul writes to him in 2 Timothy 3, verse 10, you, Timothy, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, there's our word there, perseverance, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra that we just read about, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued them from uh, me from all of them. So Paul's writing to Timothy and says, hey, you, you know my life. You know all that I went through. And Timothy, I know you're going through some challenges right now, but, but look at how God's brought me through all these difficulties and I want you to continue on. The mentoring principle. Um, We all need someone in our life that will encourage us and help us and mentor us through our Christian walk. Well, here's the last one. Uh, Principles for perseverance, and it's the encouragement principle. The encouragement principle And there's a very familiar text, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Here's what Paul has to, uh, the author of Hebrews has to write to the Hebrew believers. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. How can we encourage each other to to do good and to, to encourage one another to do good deeds? Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching is the return of Christ. And so what do we need to persevere in our Christian life? We need some encouragers, don't we? We need some people that come along and encourage us and say, you know, hey, don't give up. That's one of the reasons and one of the purposes of actually meeting together as, as the body of Christ because the devil's scheme is this. He loves to isolate us. And isolation leads to discouragement. And so there's 12 uh, one another phrases in the New Testament. You need to encourage one another. You need to pray for one another. You need to bear one another's burdens. And it's the whole principle of encouraging one another. And I've said many, many times in all my years of ministry, I've never had one person make an appointment, come into my office and say, You know what? I'm way too encouraged today. Uh, I'm just getting too much encouragement from, from other people, and, and uh, maybe, the, maybe you need to tell them to back off. No. We all, I don't care what age we are. We all need encouragement. And so uh, that's uh that's the fourth principle. So I don't know where you are in your, your life. I don't know what trial, difficulty, challenge you're facing, but I know that's common to all of us. And what does God want us to do? God wants us to persevere. God doesn't want us to get up, give up, He wants us to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Maybe this morning and sometime today we need to just take a look at our own life and examine our lives. We need to realize there's a reward someday to push through, to not throw in the towel. We need to find some other brothers and sisters that maybe are a little further along in their spiritual journey and to to go through life with them as a mentor. For many years of my life, that was my dad. I'm my go-to person. Been in ministry for 60 years. And I, any time I needed a, a question, had an issue, I I knew I could go to him. And then the encouragement principle, to not give up. To never, never, ever give up. There's a wonderful song that we want to close with this morning. And it's, uh, it's by Selah. And it's entitled... Uh, Press on, and if those words sound familiar to you, it's from Philippians chapter 3. Here's what Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Listen to this song, and then we'll... Conclude.